one minute to share a bit of the heart behind why we wanted to do this weekend. As some of you know, I have the privilege of working in many, many places, uh, locally here in Wantage and the region, and then in other parts of the UK, London, and other nations. And that gives me the privilege of observing what God is doing in, in this nation and other places. And there is a strong prophetic sound about the United Kingdom of revival. And it seems to me before God that there is a revival that is being birthed in our nation. The thing about revivals is that when you look back at them, it's very easy to have an idea about when they started. But when you live them, it's very hard to know when they actually start. If you read the history of revival, you'll know that when they happen, they're hard to pin down and they're messy. It's only history that makes them look neat. And my heart and the heart of the churches I have the privilege of working with is, we believe God is moving. We believe that there's a revival being birthed in and around this place where we are, but also in our nation. That God wants to call millions of men, women and children back to himself. He wants to heal physically, emotionally and psychologically our nation and indeed many, many nations. And so we want as local churches to be as aligned, as free, and as ready as possible to flow with what God is doing in our time. And that's why we do things like this weekend. Because we want every member, every person who's in any of our churches or any church, to know in their spirit that they're free to follow the winds of revival and the revival that God is working and will work in our nation and in our locality. In the closest group of friends we have and the furthest nations. And so our heart is to line ourselves up with that. And so I picked this moment to say this because statistically this is the moment when most people will be in the room. But also because it seemed a good moment in the context of the heart transformation that Peter has been sharing with us. That God is aligning our hearts and freeing our hearts and our beings to walk in his steps, even as he brings a remarkable transformation to our nation. Amen? Jeff. Uh, Neil, my name's Jeff. I'm from Swindon, and it's great to be together this morning. Isn't it wonderful when you, you feel you're coming for something, and then what you've come to kind of expands to something much bigger that God seems to be wanting to get hold of in our hearts? So thank you, Neil, for sharing that and focusing us a bit more on 
the greater thing that God seems to be drawing to our attention this morning. We don't want to miss anything. We want to hear everything God has to say through our dear friend and any other ways God wants to speak. So can I just ask you at this point to turn to the person beside you and say, please make sure your phone is turned off. And having done that, having done that, let's pray together before we hand over to Peter to take us further this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a great, big, wonderful God. Thank you that you're so much bigger than we can imagine. Thank you that you're Your plans and your vision and your purpose are so much greater and wider than anything we have yet seen. Help us to get hold of a bit more of it today. Help us, Lord, to hear just those words you want to say to each of us personally today. We ask for your anointing on Peter. Help him, Lord, to hear clearly just the things that you want him to say to lead us further on this amazing journey. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter. I believe it is not a coincidence that a church is revived when society is ready for it. I come from the mainland of Europe. Well, we say mainland, but this can also be the mainland. Anyway, I come from Holland and we look at England. And I always have looked at England as a place where revival came earlier than in Holland. And also when I I look at the people that were my, that were breathing, were feeding my spiritual life, it mostly were people from England, John Wesley and other people. And um, so I also believe that this is a time of revival. And it's no coincidence that also this world now is shaken by this whole process, Brexit and all the other things that... I've been praying and reading about that the last week before coming here. Because I have the, the, the idea that in a time as this, when your, your society is choosing a new core, so to speak, the moral foundation of this society is in the front of what we really need. And if there is anybody in, the, in this United Kingdom that is the foundation of moral life, that's the church, right? So the kingdom of God, we preach the kingdom, we preach the king, we preach the coming of the king, the coming of 
of the Lord. But the revival is about the kingdom of God being manifested in the kingdom of the world, right? So that gives a big responsibility when you think about revival is not only a revival from the inside of the church, but it's a revival of the, of the society coming back to God. These are simple thoughts of a doctor from Holland, and I am not a theologian. So if I can think that, you, anybody can think that, right? And in the prophetic, I've, this is what I hear, that you are the apple of God's eye. I'm talking to not only the church. God loves this nation. When somebody is the apple of the eye of the Father, it means that this, the concern of the Father is always about it, right? This is what I think. That his, your country is the apple of God's eye. He loves you. If the love of revival would only be manifested in the church, there would be no revival. But if the love of revival is manifested in the world, then we have real revival. And this brings me to the point of our second uh, teaching this day. What exactly did God mean when he baptized the, the disciples with his Holy Spirit? What does he mean? Why is there a baptism of the Holy Ghost? When we look in the Gospels, we see that um, the different Gospels describe the coming of the Holy Ghost on Christ. This morning I spoke about the love of the Father, and I spoke about what God does with his communion with our deepest inner heart. We do not only have a regeneration of our spirit being free from sin, but we also have a regeneration of our soul in Christ, right? And when Jesus is baptized, we know from the witness of the gospel that a, a voice of the Lord was heard, and he said, you are my son, which I love. When you meet the love of the Father, this is actually his words. He always has a word for you. He doesn't only touch, but he also has a word for you. So the word of God to you today is, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my beloved. It's amazing when I speak to young people, I speak usually about the romantic side of God's love. But I see you are a bit older, so I would skip that. Or should I not? Maybe I should speak about the romantic side more. But I like always to be in a teenage meeting because actually I'm more like a teenage guy. You know? But I really believe that um, if God wasn't love, there would be no romance. Amen? Love is not only a reproductive uh, agent. Maybe people in the time of Calvin thought uh, that, but we think about it differently you now. Because God is in romance with you and me. He's in romance with the church. 
Jesus gives this beautiful um, um, uh, story about the lost son that came back to his father. And this gives me also an impression of what God's healing is actually about. Because most people think healing is about, is about coming back to normality. Oh, I have a broken leg and now I have a healed leg. I can walk normal again. But actually in the concept of God's word, healing is that he doesn't only let you walk, but he lets you run. So his, his idea is not only to, to, to come back to a normal life, but <coughs> to overflowing life. And that is exactly what happens when he gave the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit comes there where <coughs> he can come, through the Father and through the, through the Son. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come from me and from us. We will send him. There's a lot of discussion uh, in, the, in the church from a uh, long time. What actually is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What does John the Baptist mean when he says, after me somebody comes who will baptize you in, 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 with spirit and fire? What does that mean, the, the baptism in fire? I like the book of Luke very much because he is a colleague of mine. And doctors have a way to describe reality, right? We are like what, what the philosophers call phenomenologists. We like to describe things from the outside and, 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 and put facts like they are. That's what we do as scientific people. And Luke has a bit like that flaw in his way of describing and his gospel and the book of Acts, because he describes the, the, the power, the wind, the, the tongues, the fire. He describes the signs, the speaking in tongues. He sees that, he hears that. When he describes the Apostle Paul's work, and he's, he's in Ephesus, he describes that the same signs was, were in the disciples in Ephesus when they received the Holy Ghost that they didn't know about. When he describes Cornelius in the book of Acts, the, the first heathen, the non-Jew, to receive the gospel, <coughs> if God hadn't done it, it would never have the heathen world at all. Because the, the, the first apostles were too much looking to the Jewish nation. But God did it. He organized that. And then the, and Luke describes that when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, when Peter sp spoke about what Jesus had done, <coughs> they were all speaking, they said the same signs were there. So Luke tends to look at the baptism of the Holy Ghost from the outward signs. <coughs> but the Apostle Paul, when he travels and, and lays foundations for churches, he speaks much more about the inside anointing of the Holy Spirit. He speaks about in the book of Romans that the love of God is being poured out in our heart. <clears throat> in that sense, he is more in alignment with Jesus, who says the Holy Spirit will be like a water fountain flowing from the inside of your belly. 
Jesus knew what he was talking about, the inner man. So we have the double witness of the scripture. We have the phenomenological look that describes as a doctor, and we have the Apostle Paul that describes the baptism of the Holy Ghost or Spirit in the inside. <coughs> what do you need to be a disciple of Christ? What do you need to walk in his footsteps? Well, for sure it is that we cannot walk with Jesus if we do not know the Father. Why is that? Because Jesus only did the things that he saw the Father do, right? So we cannot know what to do if we just follow him and don't know who the Father is. What about the Holy Spirit? Why did the ministry of Christ begin after the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him? Why is that? You know, the, the work of redemption is from a three-unit God. God, the whole God person was involved in redemption. Redemption of England is because of the whole God is moving in revival. The foundation of faith, the cross being preached like I did yesterday evening. The Father heart of God redeeming our inner man and our soul to be a child again. And then the empowerment on the in and the outside from the Holy Spirit. That is revival. I remember a moment I was in Cape Town in South Africa. <coughs> and I, I was in Mozambique the year, four years before that. And I, in Mozambique, I woke up with a prophetic vision. That was really an experience because I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and I heard all this noise around me and all these sounds and I think, what, what are all those people making noise? I didn't open my eyes yet. Where is it coming from, you know? Then I opened my eyes and I was just in my, in my room. There was nobody. I closed my eyes again. I, all this noise was there. And then the Holy Spirit spoke and he said, this is revival. Now, I'm a very practical person, so I asked the Lord, when will it happen? He said, in five years it will happen. And then I looked to the, I listened to the voices that I heard, and they were speaking the Dutch language as it is spoken in South Africa, South Afrikaans. And I had been in South Africa before, and I always met people speaking Zulu. But now I was listening to South Afrikaans in revival. Where is that guy? I've never met anybody there that spoke like that. 
So I came home and uh, one day there came a prophet in our church that came from South Africa. So I shared this story. What do you think? Do you think it will happen? You know, I said, yeah, well, this seems to be from God. No. That's the way it goes with prophetic experiences. And then <clears throat> around five years later, I had forgotten. Well, this is typically me. I always forget especially when God speaks and he has his time schedule after two years, I'm already forgetting it. But after five years, we were going on a holiday. God always has the, the way to put you on the wrong leg. Don't you experience that? I have that so many times. So I came there in a holiday mood, in Cape Town, by the way, and I put on the telly, and to my surprise, the whole... The whole television show was in South Afrikaans. And then I remembered the vision. Is it really you, Lord? And then I was asked to speak one evening in a conference that was close by. One evening only. It was fully booked. The schedule was filled with speakers. I only could do one, one word in the evening on the, on the start day. So I remember stepping up to the platform and taking the microphone and the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he said, now you ask forgiveness. Oops. So my mind was racing. Yes, Lord, but for what? And then I realized that I was standing there on behalf with of my forefathers who had coming into that nation and demolished the people and dominated them and did a lot of wrong things. I had no idea. I, well, I knew, but I hadn't, it wasn't in my, in, my, in, my, in my thought. So I started asking forgiveness for my forefathers to the crowd. The big church packed all. And after saying that, another person stood up in the crowd. He was one of the farmers, a white man. And he started uh, saying the same that, that I said, but now from the pers perspective of the time of apartheid. And so he, he, he did his saying. And then a, a black woman stood up on the other side of the room and she started crying and, and said, I accept your forgiveness. My father was beaten by the police. And, so there, and then a black man at the back stood up. He was obviously a pastor. And he started proclaiming forgiveness. And within five minutes, the whole scene of the church was one big chaos. And people were running around, hugging each other and crying. And, and I was standing there, you know. What's happening? You know, God is doing something here in the relations in the church because those are all Christians, you know. So there was a reconciliation inside the body of the church from things in society that were very deep, hidden walls between people. And then I got stuck again. And not only me got stuck, but we all got stuck. 
Why? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit came in the room in such a way that nobody dared to move again. Nobody could just step up and take control of the meeting. It was impossible. Everybody was, so he was moving, you know. And it took at least one hour before somebody said something. And then the Holy Spirit fell on the worship team and they were all on the floor. And uh, then people were falling in the, in the room. And actually the, the building was, the church was a bit like that. So you came in and you had to walk down to the, to the aisle, to the altar. And the heaviness of God's anointing was so much that people could not leave the church. I saw people trying to get out on their knees, but they were stuck to the carpet. That was what happened in that year. This is what God called revival. And then after that, I, I was, because I was back home, I was looking. But not only, I remember also that the shops in that city were visited by people from the church that week. And evangelism that just spontaneously come to pass. And people in, 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 in shops came to the Lord and all kinds of things happened. And there was, a, there was a, a day of healing and the healing anointing began to flow. So this was revival, really revival. And I believe this is what God wants to do. I believe that we need that. We need the presence of God in our midst. And we also need to be balanced if we walk with the anointing. How do we balance, in balance a way, walk with the anointing? Because when the Holy Spirit comes and we are all flat on the floor, who will listen to us? Well, maybe that one pastor that's to keep standing. But we all need to walk with the anointing, right? That's why the topic of this morning, this afternoon, I mean, shortly is about the gifts that the Holy Spirit works through in our midst and through us. Often we think that the gifts of the Spirit, like it is written down in the Bible, are only for the inside of the church. I can tell you as a practical man living inside the world as a GP, it is not. Okay, it is for inside, but it is also for outside. 80% of the ministries that are born in revival are not for the inside of the church, but are for the society outside. It are the professionals, it are the, 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 the children keepers, it are the housewives, it are the, the whatever work that could be done, the people that work in the greenery. Those are the servants of the Lord in, in revival. Amen? So our spiritual gifts are also for that area. I know, I'm sure, because I, I, I have, I've experienced that in the, all those years that I'm a doctor. There are many gifts, and the, the main gift that I want to focus on today, and we also agreed in the leadership that I would do that, is the gift of prophecy. 
Also the healing gift, of course, I can, that's, but the gift of prophecy we are going to do a workshop about in the last session of this day. Is that okay? You like that? It's challenging though, because now you have to step out of your position of listening. Anyway, that's okay. There has been a change in at least my concept of prophecy in and outside the church. You know, Paul the Apostle had, a, had, a, had, a, had an idea about prophecy being inside the church as one of the gifts. And he said, well, people come into the church and uh, they, they hear old people speaking in tongues. They think, what are they doing? But when there is one or two prophets they speak, they will take it serious. And that's okay. That's Paul, and he's right. And he himself was a prophet, actually. He doesn't call himself a prophet. But he was, because he speaks, he says things like this. We believe, he speaks in the plural status, we believe that the Holy Spirit has been speaking about that and that. That is what, how he writes in his letters. We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to the church about that and that. About the return of Christ, Thessalonians. He, he writes about that all the time. So he was a prophet. Luke, the, the, he was not an apostle, right? But he wrote down the most amazing words of the gospel and acts. And of course, he was the doctor, so he is my, uh, I, he is my hero, right? But Luke speaks about the prophetic in a different way. He starts talking about John the Baptist coming to, uh, to the front from the desert. After 400 years of silence in Israel, where no prophetic voice was heard, suddenly a voice was crying out from the desert. And since that moment, profound prophetic things happened through different people actually at the same time. You might say that there was a prophetic revival at that moment in the beginning of the Gospels surrounding the coming of Jesus Christ. Elizabeth became pregnant and she was an old lady. Mary was visited by, by an angel and she became pregnant of Jesus. When Jesus came into the church, into the temple, uh, there was a, a, an old prophet, Simon, and he prophesied over Jesus. So we see that around the coming of Christ, the birth of our Savior, the prophetic rebirthed, reawoke in Israel. And then we see the Holy, then we see the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus and him living and working out a lifestyle as a prophet. We read that in Nazareth, in the, in the, in the synagogue, his first uh, written down uh, speech was from Isaiah. Speaking about the anointing of God is upon me because I am sent to, to preach the good news, to open the eyes of the blind. To, to proclaim the, 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 the good year of the Lord. 
And then he says, now these words are fulfilled in your, in your ears. So he was a, a prophet like Isaiah. And he did the things that Isaiah prophesied. He was also a prophet like Jeremiah because he was the crying prophet. He's crying over people. He's crying over the nation of Israel. He's crying over Jerusalem. He was also a prophet like uh, Elijah when he raised the dead, opened the blind eyes, did signs and miracles like Elijah did in his days. You might say, did he copy Elijah? No, it was the other way around. Elijah walked in the spirit of, that, of him while he was not born yet. He was also a prophet like Moses, who ordained the, the, in the twelve tribes the, the leaders to lead the tribes. And when Jesus went to, up to the mountain to pray, and he came back from the mountain to ordain his apostles, he did like Moses did, because he put the anointing on the twelve, like Moses put his anointing on the twelve. He was a prophet like Moses when he appointed the seventy elders. When you follow the footstep of Christ, you see that in his behavior, the different prophets of old are being yeah, seen again, so to speak. He was also the, the rejected prophet. Many of the prophets were rejected and killed by the religious leaders. And he also was a prophet like David, who was the king prophet, who gave us Psalm 22 and all the other Psalms that teach about the coming of the, of the Lord. So this is our savior. This is who, who he was. He was the son of God, but he manifested like a prophet in his ministry in different ways. And when he entered Jerusalem, he was the king. He was the king of the Jews, but he was also the king in heaven already when he went to the cross, you know. We have to take serious when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Because we receive something from the king. We receive an ordaining and an, an empowerment that he gave to the 70. He now gives it to the whole church. We must take it serious. We cannot just make it a hobby, if that's an English word, I don't know. A hobby. Let's do a little bit Holy Spirit today, you know. Oh, tonight we have the Holy Spirit uh, worship. Well, I'll put my nicest clothes on, and tonight I'm, I'm going to be a Holy Spirit Christian. It's the other way around. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, your life becomes dangerous. And the Lord asks you, before He baptizes you, do you really want it? Do you really want the, uh, the appointment of leadership? Because leadership is one of the, the main gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the people in the church. Because the, the society needs the gift of leadership. I remember I was once preaching in, in India in, a, in an area where there were only very poor people that were 
there, there were old beggars and, and people that were biking rickshaws. It was a terrible area with no houses, only concrete blocks. Half of them was already blown by the wind and the, and, the, and the dust. It was terrible. The children had no shoes. It was the neighborhood. It was a leprosy camp. We had been seeing many people there with a medical team, and I had the opportunity to preach in that camp. And we were preaching to a great crowd. They were all sitting under a balcony of, um, of um, what is that? Clothes against the sun. And I still remember that halfway in my preaching, the Holy Ghost opened my spiritual eyes. And suddenly I saw a glow of beauty of the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon all the people. It was it's as if this worn out, poorly clad people suddenly had this beautiful shine of God's glory in them. And I thought, why do you... And then the Holy Spirit said, these are the... From this crowd, I will give leaders to the nation. From the poorest of the poor, I will bring people to the front in this nation. So I share that. And then the Holy Spirit started rolling over the people and all kinds of things happened. But I never remember, I never forget that moment because it, it showed me something that the gift of the Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, is very valuable. It's very, it makes you gold in God's eyes. Hey, doctor, don't you see that I'm getting old? I even can count the hairs on my head. Do you think that the Holy Ghost can even walk through somebody that has no hair? Do you know that when I speak, I stumble, I, I, I struggle with speaking. Don't you know that I limp? One of my friends once was a 90-year-old pastor. Ten minutes. Oh my goodness. That's really terrible. Now we need a, now we need a miracle from God. I have an idea. I will speak about the gifts and how the gifts develop in your life. You know, the prophetic gifting, of course, is beautiful because it is always there to build up the church, build up other people, to comfort, to direct in a sense, and, but build them. You always are in for growing other people in leadership and spiritual, spirituality with Jesus. You cannot divide the focus of your heart, this what you are concerned about or being involved in, in your heart and your spiritual gifting. You cannot divide your soul and your spirit. I mean, if you have a, 
a heart for women that are alone, for example, and raising children on their own, your giftings will probably flow in that dominion. There's always an, an, uh, an agreement between the two things of your heart and the spiritual gifts. If you are in a, in a helping mode, helping people, you are probably in the best position to, to walk with the gift of healing. And also, I must say that the gifts work together. You cannot separate that. You cannot say, now, Dr. Peter, you just pray for the healing, the, the, the prophetic gift. I say, oh, well, where shall I put my hand? So I think there's more for you than this. And I only want to, this is my interest, the prophetic gift. But because I believe that the prophetic gifting works as best in healing. Because all the gifts work with compassion. If you are a, a loner, loner sitting on your own throne in your own home, how can you ever experience the gift of the Holy Ghost which in itself is very relational? Right. So you must... Change your heart if you want to walk with the gift. That's one thing I want to say. Second is that you must reevaluate the seriousness of your position if you want to walk with the gift. Because as Christians, especially when we're young Christians, we do not value our own functional life as a Christian very high, right? Well, I at least did not. But God takes you serious. In Russia, I met people, teenagers of 16 years old. They were pastors of four churches. In revival, the scenery, the, 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 the vision of the gifts completely changed. We think, well, we baptize somebody, but first he needs to have the baptized uh, training, and then we go and uh, do all that, 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 and then we baptize. In revival, as soon as somebody is starts to know Jesus, you baptize them. And then, well, then we, as a, as a good Pentecostal, we wait for the, 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 the baptism of the Holy Ghost with signs, right? Four months waiting, still waiting. But now when we baptize, we ask the Holy Spirit to come directly. I was with my team in India, and one of my colleagues, a doctor, tell, told me he did not ever baptize in water. And we were driving in this old van through the, the countryside of India toward our destination. So I said, well, that was biblical. Well, there is a river. What shall we do, you know? Luckily, he said yes, so we stopped the car in the middle of nowhere. We went down the river, and I baptized him and his wife. Within one hour of me hearing that he did not be, was never baptized. And the interesting thing was that he, when he stepped out of the water, 
the Holy Spirit baptized again. So he fell down under the power of the Holy Ghost. He went underwater again without me doing anything. <laughs> Both of them, actually. So how can it happen, you know? What theologian can write about that? But this is how the kingdom of God works. God is more bigger than anything else. So if you, you have to reschedule your, your liturgy, man. You have to reschedule your, your, your church practice, maybe, in revival. Yeah, I, I, look, I look forward to that. The best thing is that we tell God, God, do it your way. Come with whatever gift you have. I am open to the Holy Spirit the way he, he wants me to be used because he knows best. And then see what happens in your practical life. Don't sit religiously waiting for this sensation, which happens, but not always. It's a matter of faith. I found that most of the spiritual giftings in my personal life came in my doing, helping people. Speaking God, when I came in the situation, I didn't know what to say, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Miracles coming when I didn't know what to do as a doctor. Usually God pours out his love when you love. He doesn't, well, it's more difficult for him to pour out his love in action when you are passive, right? Does it shake up your thought a bit? Because now I see, I hear some crackings of thought. But it's the fact, it's the fact that the gifts are part of practical Christianity towards a world around us. Neighbors, widows, children, especially children. I believe that in a the, in the time of Brexit when poverty is a main issue in society, this is an open door for the church to step into where the government cannot solve all the problems. For example, Okay, I think I am overdoing my time now, right? Yeah, 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 all right. Okay, let's put this aside. Can I take some time of ministry? Yeah. Can somebody help me before I break anything? Hands on your heart, please, and close your eyes. Let's pray together. I'll just start with praying. Maybe you can follow me in a prayer. Is that okay with you? Dear Father, my heart is wide open. We love Jesus as so much. And we want to, to, to be fully... Um, in your mission, Father. 
Therefore, we ask for the Holy Spirit. And we ask for the Holy Spirit gifts. Yes, Father, I receive your gift. Thank you, Father, that you do that. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when people want to come to the front, I will just pray for them. And I will also prophesy over them if you want. But that can also be a healing meeting because, as I said, I never know what is coming first. But that is what I do. So maybe you're sick, or maybe you want a word from the Lord. And then we have a lot of people, so halfway this meeting we'll say there's a, there's a lunch. So don't worry about your belly. We'll take care of that also. And then um, I'll just continue in a flow of prayer. Is that all right? Good. So if somebody wants to start, just come. And I will just lay my hands on people. Maybe the anointing bottle. Jeanette, happy pleasure.